Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome to the Corner of Truth and Courage. This is Tom and Tyler. We are glad that you are here with us today. And we've been covering a topic that I am, I don't know about you, Tom, I'm passionate about this topic. I, I think, and I think Christians in general are passionate about this topic. I mean, my wife came up with this. I'm so proud of her. Who's first, God or country? And uh, by the way, I believe both of those things are important. I believe as a Christian, we have we have a, a responsibility to be involved in both of those things. We do. Uh, yeah, we got to be, you know, uh, citizens, good citizens, and uh, good followers of the Lord as well. And I believe that we honor God if we honor our country and do our best uh, for it there. And God has certainly made it clear in, in the word there that those who, you know, stand in leadership as, well, we don't have kings, but we've got presidents and we've got governors and we've got lawmakers and, you know, people who serve as uh, mayors and, you know, on a local level. And, and, and these are servants, public servants, but they're servants of God. Mm-hmm. That's how God tells us to look at them. God ordained that they're there. He can remove them, change their heart in, in those areas there. And I don't know if you've ever, Tyler, have you ever heard of the name Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Have you ever, I know no. I've never talked to him about you there. He lived during World War II in Hitler, uh, during Hitler's reign. And he was a well-known preacher, very famous in his day in Germany. And then evil had taken over his country, you know, the Nazi movement and everything. And he was actually involved in an attempt to have him uh, assassinated. If there's a movie, Valkyrie, you know, Tom Cruise played in it there. And, and he was actually part of the plot to bring about the death of, of Hitler. Yeah. And he was faced with this question, if you study his life in his book, about this issue, you know, if if you have the ability to kill an evil man who's killing, you know, thousands of people there, is it morally right for you to take that action? And he came to the conclusion that it is morally right for him to do so. And so many look at him as an example that we have a right to do so, and they use Bonhoeffer as an example. I was just going through some streaming services and I noticed that there's a movie after him Dietrich Bonhoeffer and so I'm going to try to watch that sometime if I can there was a time that I probably would have agreed with that sentiment that if you had the opportunity to bring an end to that evil do you have a moral right to do so Mm -hmm. but I've come to the conclusion that that's not my right. God has the sovereign right to do that. The Bible mm-hmm. teaches me that I, uh, I vengeance isn't mine. That's not my duty. God has not given that lot to me or to, to man to take ven- to, to have the right to take vengeance like that. Yeah. He has that right. Yeah. And I have to bring it to God. I have to say, God, that's your duty. And you're yeah. right. You allowed this to come into play. I mean, God's still sovereign, and we need to abide by that. But what's your what's your thought on that, Tyler? Well, I mean, I, actually, I, I like I like what you said. You know, he. Uh, <laughs> I think sometimes 
we can be a little prideful in the sense that we think, number one, God doesn't need me to do anything. I, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I uh, you know, um, you, you hear of all these great preachers, you know, uh, of times past and all the different things that they've done. And I'm not, uh, you know, minimizing those things. But God could have done that with anybody. I mean, God, God, do you understand? And he did. He did it with many different people. I believe if God wanted, uh, if I had an opportunity to have killed Hitler at that time, do I think it would have been okay for me to do so? I, I don't think so, specifically because of, of what you said. You know, God, all he's got to do is snap his finger, and he can do whatever he wants, you know. So he doesn't need me to do it, and if he's still alive, I don't think it's dependent upon me to do so. So I, I'm not going to, I think there's too many times in the Bible where you see someone get ahead of God. You know, we saw it with uh, Abraham and Sarah, right, and, and, and birthing a child, and what he did with, uh, I believe her name was Haggai, you know, and, and the truth of the matter is, is God already had a plan to take care of all that, and yet they intervened. And so I think I think that would kind of be, in my opinion, doing the same thing there if, if you were to do that. Yeah. Let me... Let me um state something here because we we talked we've been talking all this week who's first god or country sometimes we get mixed up as christians as citizens we see our citizenship uh first and we try to live our life as christians after our patriotic you know positions i've said this many many times too many preachers see their bible through their constitution Mm-hmm. And I, you know, when we were facing the situation uh, two years ago, do we wear masks? Do we stop services? Do we close it down and, and, and all that type of stuff because the government's telling us to do so and and everything? And i tell you one thing we learned is that government doesn't have all the right answers. Okay? I'd like to hear your opinion on that, what you think was the right move. Well, I, in the early days, we didn't know how bad COVID was. We really didn't. And at first I thought, you know, my first reaction was, well, this is governmental interference, okay? And then they said, just 14 days. That's all we need is 14 days to stop the curve, you know, keep it down there. And then it kept going on and on and on and on. And clearly we can still preach God's word. They didn't tell us don't don't preach God's word. They didn't tell us that we couldn't do certain uh, certain things. They just said, just don't meet publicly for two weeks. Then it kept going on and on and on and on. And uh, in more things in different states and different places where you were from, you had different rules according to how their governor was dealing with it. And then it became obvious that this is interference with the God, with God's word and God's propagation. Clearly, we're told to meet um, uh, once a week, to meet together. And so, you know, I think that we need to say there comes a there comes a limit and there's sometimes some gray areas and people have to make their decisions. Many pastors are next time if this comes down the road, they're not going to bend to what the government's saying because the government overstepped their boundaries and many preachers are going to say never again. Yeah. And and you you hit on something. uh, I think that needs to be said a little bit more um if you're if, especially if you're a pastor of a church i mean you're the you're the under shepherd of the flock and i believe that that person needs to be sensitive to the holy spirit on how it is they're supposed to deal with those things the truth of the matter is 
is with the COVID situation, that's a pretty gray area. I, I could I could hear, and I did hear some people say, listen, this is against God's word. We're not shutting the doors. We're not, and, and I, I couldn't honestly argue that in a sense of proving them wrong, nor did I want to. And I, and I, but I saw the other side of the coin, like, you know, kind of like what you mentioned. Hey, hey, we're not telling you you can never preach or meet at each other. You know, we just, we just need a 14 days and all that different stuff. And so, but let me say this. Or let me ask you this question. Do you think COVID, number one, is that the last we're going to see of a COVID-type situation? And number two, could that be from Satan himself an attempt to try and uh, get churches to close down? Because if the answer to that is yes, then I'm going to be leaning more towards, well, I'm not closing the church then. You know, I, I want to be, be in God's house. I mean, those are some, COVID brought up some very, very interesting predicaments that we as a country have not seen in a long time. Yeah, well, I don't think anyone was prepared for that, and a lot of us preachers didn't have answers for it. And still today, I don't think we do properly, because I think it has to be a judgment call between where they stand, you know, where they see it themselves. And I don't think I can make the decision for another pastor. You've got to make your own uh, on that. And um, <clears throat> nor should we thing, judge them harshly for the decision they make. Yeah, what but I, I know I, churches. There's some churches they didn't meet for a whole year, a whole year. Yeah. You know, they just stopped altogether. And, um, and they didn't even have meetings online or anything, you know. So, and it's damaged many, many of the churches. Let me get to something that I want to say here, because uh, sometimes this is missed. Whenever uh, we have to make a decision to disobey government, we can still do it and be submissive. Now, I know that sounds like a contradiction of terms but let me give you an example Daniel chapter 3 in Daniel chapter 3 the king you know the law simply said this you're going to worship my God you're going to come together when we play the music we're going to come out uh, and we're all going to bow down and we're going to worship the idol and Shadrach Meshach and Abednego said very clearly uh, in verse number 18 of chapter 3, be if, uh, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So they made very clear that we're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so the music played, and they didn't bow down in front of the king, and uh, but they submitted to the consequences. They disobeyed. We're not going to do it. But we're still going to submit to what the consequences are. They didn't fight. They didn't try to assassinate the king. They didn't try to, you know, um, build a, a rebellion. They submitted to the consequences, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Daniel, you know, the law was said, don't pray. I'm sorry, I'm going to pray. But I'll submit to the consequences, and was thrown into the lion's den. Uh, the disciples, they said, don't preach. Sorry, we're going to preach. We're going to obey what God told us to do. And, uh, and, but they submitted to the consequences. They were beaten and thrown in the jail. So you can submit, sorry, you can disobey, but you still need to submit to the government. But before you, but, uh, but hold on, Tyler. Let me, let me share this before you jump in here. In verse number 28, because they did that, because mm -hmm. they disobeyed <coughs> and submitted, they were thrown in the fire furnace. God delivered them. They didn't know whether God would. Uh, but God delivered him. But verse 28, it says this, um, because he delivered the servants and trusted him and have changed the king's word. Because of their disobedience, 
it ultimately changed the king's word. Mm-hmm. The, the king came back and said, we're not going to require this yeah. uh, anymore. And it changed it. So sometimes our civil disobedience and the manner in which we do it, we may burn for it. But God may preserve us still in a mighty way. And if he does, praise God for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, um, uh, but if that happens, uh, uh, it, God has the ability of changing that. I think that's those are awesome examples, and I honestly think that they back up uh, what we've been talking about all week. None of those those guys acted in a radical sense, right? They they were, as I mentioned, I think it was yesterday. They still answered in a in a in a meek manner, as as Jesus does does in the Gospels, yes. And then, and then you talk about Nebuchadnezzar, and man, what an amazing thing that happened with him, right? That God did with Nebuchadnezzar and, and, the, and the changing of him, which, which goes back and alludes to Daniel, chapter 2, which we mentioned earlier in the week, um, that he removeth kings and setteth up kings, right? I mean, he, he, he can do those things. He's all-powerful in that sense. And so those are the things, just the little things I thought about I wanted to add there. You know, so I guess if we conclude on this, Tyler, we have to simply remember God's sovereign. And if you see wickedness and vileness, do your bit to stand up for righteousness as you can. And if you have to disobey when they tell you to do something completely contrary to what God told you to do, commands us to do, disobey if you have to in that area, but still submit to the consequences and trust God for that. And pray that God will remove the wickedness and the evil that is in your land and to continue to fight and stand for righteousness. But that doesn't mean that we fight physically, but we fight it through rhetoric and through prayer and to holding to the things that are of God. we got to stop there, but uh, we'll be back tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage.